Hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Scott. And I am Mark Battle. And this ain't babysitting. No, it ain't at all. Welcome to um, the, uh. the we're, we're, this is going to be our final uh, episode in our, in our series, ongoing series with uh, Melinda Walden, where we're talking about controversial subjects and uh. play. I'm so uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it. You know what? It's 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 this cathartic. Topic, this topic is making me very <laughs> uncomfortable. This is Scott. A, this the, we really you know we saved the crescendo for the end, as yes. you would say in in these uh, controversial topics on play today. Um, well, let's start a little bit with the idea of um, the idea for this episode largely came from uh, the the Gillette. Right. Uh, advertisement that came out um, last month um, where people were talking about you know how how much this this Gillette commercial was it was such a controversial mm-hmm. thing to some to some um, well I mean that's that's what controversy is yeah can't have controversies everybody <laughs> think that's with a good one point person. Scott um, but you this this idea of of consent mm-hmm. really kind of came into the fore, uh, especially with all of the the ground that the Me Too movement has mm-hmm. gained, mm-hmm. with all of the the social awareness about the ideas of consent and about you know there's the allegations coming up left, right, and center. There's the whole Brett mm-hmm. Kavanaugh case. There's mm-hmm. you know uh, Harvey Weinstein. All of these incredible cases of hugely influential figures in the public sphere not understanding what consent is. And a lot of the people who took exception to the ad did not understand what consent was. Like, did not understand that there was nothing negative in that ad. And I I have to say that, thank God, Gillette came uh, came out with a commercial that spoke to me as right. a man. I could not relate to the previous ones where there's a beautiful, well, although my wife is very beautiful. Right. Please. But a different beautiful woman in the washroom while you're shaving and you're getting all the ladies. I, I could not relate to that. And Gillette comes out with this ad. I go, well, that's me. Well, that's that- at least the man I'm trying to be. Right. 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 And that's, and and the, the men in the commercial aren't necessarily the men that you are that you are the message of the commercial, right? right? Is who you are, because the men in the commercial, from a lot of people's perspective, are depicted as these 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 violent, uh, naturally aggressive, and and um, you know this is this has been the popular, well, one of the more popular and outspoken arguments is that men are naturally aggressive and hostile. And, and can I can I just say, and I know we've talked about this before, you and I, but I do think it, I really do think it's a generational difference and maybe it's only the people where i'm hearing from but i just notice in my friendship group whether it's real or online right um uh, the older guys around my age have a hard time with that that commercial and that sort of uh a viewpoint consent isn't anything new it was always around when we were around but it just wasn't in the foray like it is today, and, and so think, people are uncomfortable. Right, and I think that has uh, that has a lot to do with um, not just you know age, but but also culture and country. Yeah. You know, there's there was uh, there's a YouTuber uh, from Australia, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a second try and find who he is. Mm. Uh, try and remember his name in a second, but he's talking about the he he came out. And blasted Gillette, and this guy's got you know tens of of millions of followers and subscribers, mm-hmm. and lots of people hearing his message. And he got more people who who followed him after this this whole thing okay. came out. And he's not much older than I am. Oh, interesting. And sad, but interesting. Yeah. So what? Why was he so uh, sort of upset by it? Like what? What? What did he take exception to? So. His his message, and it's it, very similar to a lot of the messages that we hear um, in the negative, was that there is this. He took it. At, he took this message as an attack ad on men, and saying that 
that this that this is Gillette saying that they are firmly standing beside women and over men, mm. which, in my opinion, cuts out one of the most important parts of the conversation. Man, this is the first ad that has told men what to do. Right. Every ad for women tell them what to do, what to wear, what to eat, what to look like, all that bullshit. And finally, a fucking ad comes out that tells men, hey, man, this, this, whoops, sorry, this is how you should sort of behave. And we get our fucking knickers in a knot. I, I just find that so terribly unfair. It's uh, it's it's such a it's such a stupid thing to get so upset about. I know is the idea that that the the, the literal words of of this ad is um the they Gillette's sponsorship slogan for the longest time has been the best a man can get yes and at the end of this the tagline on this commercial was the best a man can be. Fantastic. Why why are so many people so upset about the idea that you can be better and mm-hmm. being better means you are listening to other people? How about the sheer fact that the heroes in the commercial are men? Right. The people who break up the fight of the kids yeah. are men. The person who stops the person from whistling and going out, I don't know what the hell the guy was going to do, that woman walking by was another man. Yeah. And any of those negative things, like what man would go, well, what's wrong with your kids fighting in the in the underground there? You're like, I don't know a single guy that would endorse that. Right. But then everybody got into, again, because men don't like to be preached at. Yes. it's, it's That's the trouble. That's such a, there's so many people who, yeah, and I think I think that, that plays such a big part in it, too, is the idea that that this is a company that has long been the the kind of uh, a propellant yeah. uh, for masculinity yeah. and now it's saying masculinity can mean something other than what we've been saying and you know Gillette that advertisers have been saying let's keep right. this straight and there's and there's a there's a thing you know there's something to be said too for those old Gillette ads and how Gillette has changed mm-hmm. the perspective but I would argue that if if um, if a multi-million dollar company can say we're gonna make we're gonna put this ad out, and it's we know it's gonna cost us people, it's gonna cost us consumers, but we're still gonna put it out anyways. Why can't you? I know, I know. <laughs> but you know, here's the trouble, Scott. Two, I think, pretty nice guys. I think pretty nice guys. I learned consent. Uh, uh, being blessed to have uh, a father who took it really seriously. I'll never forget and and will never forget when my friends and I, we found some like hustlers and playboys that were thrown out in the garbage can uh, at the end of my street. Of course, I took them and I and I took them to our little uh, fort that we had in my in my backyard. And of course, my dad caught me, you know, with all these hustlers and playboys. And he gave me a two hour Fidel Castro style sermon (laughs) about. The dangers and the pitfalls of looking at women like that. Yeah. I also had the blessing, and I'd like to dedicate this, actually, this show to my late friend, John McNaught. I get a little emotional, and I promise I wouldn't cry, but my late friend, John McNaught, was an important person in my life when I was at that funny, you know, 14, 15, you're trying to figure out the whole world. Right. And and 16 and 17 and especially, all the Especially all the trying to figure out your world. As it relates to pretty much the only thing on your mind, which is the gender you're attracted to. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This is probably the reason why I picked up guitar. It turns out women also <laughs> like attractive men, but that was another story. Yeah. So anyways. You I, can't uh, have one. You might as well have the other. <laughs> I'm just going to take one. So he would treat our group as, as sort of a gang. And he was, John McNaught was the most beautiful man in the room. He looked like Jim Morrison crossed with a pirate. Big flowy shirts, leather pants. This is in high school. Yeah. And John McNaught, when we'd go into a party, uh, John McNaught would stop us. And he'd go, okay, gentlemen, we do no harm to others, just to ourselves. 
And we did. Holy <laughs> shit, that we did. We should have sort of balanced that out a bit. But then the other thing, the other thing he said, which no, I he shouldn't have. That was his point. <laughs> yeah, guess, yeah, true, true. <laughs> and then the other thing he would say to us, we leave this party as we went in. And I've never that forgotten was, that. That was something that stuck with me when you said that it. That is such a, you know, but that was... That was what I was raised in in those formative years. So there, there was this, and monogamy, right? It, it, he was a very big proponent of monogamy when you're little kids. So I was blessed so I can see the Gillette ad and go, finally, something for me. Where did, Scott, where do you think you develop your sense of consent? And I don't think you have a history against you. No, no. And I've, I've, I think a lot of my, you know, my my parents always taught me, you know, to to respect and value other people. I had a very mixed group of of friends at a very young age. You know, I I really just hung out with with the other guys, so to speak, um, going through elementary school and middle school. Um, but I think for me, what really helped was I was a theater kid. Yeah, I, I was a musician. I was a theater kid in the... a group in in a in programs that were dominated by by girls. Yeah, and so and when you're in a theater program and when you're spending time with a troupe of of actors, you really you talk about everything, right? right? And especially when you're 15, when you're 14, 15, 16, going on 18, you talk about when you get closer, you talk about everything right right? so it became very clear to me very early that there is you know that and it's not that i didn't think about it this way beforehand but it 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 was just hammered home for me Mm. the idea that you know you can't be a creep you can't can't, yeah you can't talk to um you, you can't talk to other people like they are objects or yeah. you can't treat people as though they're disposable because they are not. And you're working with them. <laughs> right. And, and when you right spend time, when you spend times, you know, uh, spend a lot of time talking with friends and crying with friends mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. feeling so much of what your friends are, are telling you um, when you're right there with them talking about this kind of stuff, it's just, it's, you can't avoid, you can't not take that seriously and yeah. want to make sure that you are not, you never fall into that category. Yeah. And, 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 and plus, because you have these strong friendships with women, you get very defensive right. about women, right? right? As, as friends, and nobody's going to talk to my friend like that, yeah. right? So why would I talk to someone And that's like a very that? important point to distinguish. It's mm-hmm. not that I don't want you to talk to that person bec- like that because they're a woman. Mm-mm. I want you. I, you can't talk about my friend like yeah, that that's because friend. that's how you see that person first. Absolutely. Right. I was saying to you in the pre-production meeting the other uh, uh, blessings that we had as young people. I was a young heavy metal guy, you know, and the girls that hung around with us scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> they had badger eyes, right? The black badger eyes with the piss blonde hair and and lumber jackets and Kodiak boots with the tongues all out. I was scared. Yeah. So maybe that's maybe that's also another advantage. And how there I you go. You the had person. the fear. I you was the scared. Fear in you. I was absolutely scared. I'm that's still, not the best motivation. I don't know. But it is. A I will disagree with you on that. <laughs> All right. Well, before um, we go, oh, do you just we, just quickly before we yeah. go, Isaac Butterfield is the name of the hateful person who. Oh, I hate who, his name. Right. <laughs> terrible well, name. Well, I think there's a lot of psychology there with that guy. Right. Yeah. Isaac Butterfield. Yep. Here, can I just throw out something else? Please though? do. I also, oh, it's going to get me into trouble. This whole fucking episode, I think, is going to get us into say, trouble. So, say, we're already Jesus, towing a line. Here let's we go. Just go. Throw it out. Um, I also think there's guilt in those people's reactions to the Gillette ad. I think there's a historic guilt of maybe I was not that man, you know? And so you you, yeah, you and, deal with it in a funny way. And a, and a defense, you know, yeah. not necessarily... We are also talking about the the idea of how easy it is for um, for. Oh God. It's okay, Scott. This is gonna get really. It's a, it's okay. We are also talking about um, how false accusations oh, okay. can can really um, impact 
people. Mm-hmm. And false accusations are always my my philosophy is always to believe people who mm-hmm. who are who come forth with with their truth and mm-hmm. really making sure that you're standing beside people who tell you something. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have, uh, you know, we had a situation in our house where we had a foster child who who threatened mm-hmm. my father um, with the idea that she might tell people that something happened. Right, right. And right. and this is a when she'd be angry and as when a reaction she was upset to and him, this yeah. is and she's upset and this is she's she's emotional she's going through a going through a world yeah. of pain right now. Yeah. But the the impact that would have had. Oh yeah. Would have been it would have been almost impossible for my father to recover in that oh, situation. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so I I think there is an element of of fear that drives these 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 naysayers and these okay. people who who say, you know, this is this is attacking men. There is an element of fear because for so long we have um been the ones in power. Mm. And and now there is a, a fear that that power is is you don't have that power, yeah. and so being powerless, you kind of feel like I don't mean to make it sound like men have it you know so hard and all that and and everything else. There's not yet. We will. <laughs> well, it's coming. It's Our coming. comeuppance is coming. <laughs> there's a hard rain <laughs> coming. A hard rain. But uh, but it's it's. That fear, I think, drives a lot of yeah. that conversation, that dialogue of, of men knowing, you know, how, how little it takes to, you know, it could be six words mm-hmm. that could change your life. Can we? There is no loss of power. It's it's about many groups of people gaining power. Of course, and yeah. and you know, and everybody needs to get their goddamn heads around that. Now, speaking of power. Don't you think it's time we should go to an ad? I think you know what I think. So my our our beer money uh, bank account is is run a little bit low. Yeah, I know, and I'm tired of being on the street corners uh, begging for cash for that. All right, let's go to an ad starting right now. We want to turn this show into a mud bog, but first we'll need your cash, 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 Scott Forbes. Tell these good people and how we can get that cash. Thank you, Mark. This is Scott Forbes. This is This Ain't Babysitting. Thank you very much for listening, tuning into our show. This is uh, one of our very earliest episodes, and we're very thankful for everyone who's been supporting us all the way through our infancy, through just starting up a Facebook page, seeing how many people would be interested in this, to now we have over, I'm assuming, a million listeners. So thank you all very much, all the, the, the hundreds of thousands of you who listen to our show. Uh, and if all of you could do us a favor, rate, review, and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast listening from, that would be super, super helpful for us. It helps us get into new and noteworthy sections. It helps us get uh, some traction for people who maybe don't know Mark and I personally. Um, and if you are hoping to see this podcast go beyond these couple episodes, well, gosh darn it, it would be really helpful if you have the financial means. And I know not everybody does. But if you have the financial means, you can chip in a couple bucks every month. It'd be really helpful to help cover some of the overhead costs for the show. Uh, we have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash this ain't babysitting. It would be super helpful if, if you're financially able to. You can chip in a couple bucks every month, and that would help go a long way. We're trying to get to 500 patrons. That would help us add in things like live shows, help us add in things like merchandise or things like... Uh, video production, all of that kind of stuff that we can really add our sh- add to our show and your experience. Uh, that stuff ain't cheap. So if you want to head over to patreon.com slash this ain't babysit and see if there's anything you can do. If there isn't, and that's totally fine, there's no judgment here, but if there isn't something you can do financially, you can help spread the word about our podcast. Word of mouth is the best way we can advertise. So if you can head on to anybody who works with kids, to parents that you know, to grandparents, to early childhood educators, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, anybody who wants to know a little bit more about what it's like working with these crazy kids, let them know. We got this. I listen to the show. It's called This Ain't Babysitting. I think you'll love it. 
And remember to send that cash. Take it from your kid's education fund. Take it from your grandmother. Take it from the stranger down the street. Just send us your cash. Hey, what a great ad. Thank you. Thank you very much. Felt good. Felt good while I was doing it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It, it almost lulls you to sleep. Is that is that actually what an ad should do? <laughs> you know. We got to fucking rethink that you're really, ad. You're really not pumping us getting more sponsors no, I'm just, here. By saying, Scott, hey, I'm honest. Wasn't that ad break really shitty? No. Hey, people, come on no, out. Dude, Here's some more ads from our, come sponsor our show. If you can stay awake through this ad. I'm going to keep this out of our media kit going forward. <laughs> Hey, Scott. Hey, Mark. Who do we got back? Hey, we have our wonderful uh, friend for the last couple episodes. I adore. Our friend and yours. Melinda Walden is here. I adore. Melinda, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. Yeah. Uh, for those of you but, who... just talking about some shit that's so uncomfortable. It's, it's, yeah. I'm welcoming you into a safe space. Thank you. The and I might go... The internet might not be as no. safe as the no. basement is, but, but we are... I'll probably duck out and have a smoke. <laughs> there we go. Um, Melinda Walder, for those of you who may not have, have heard our earlier episodes, this is a weird place to start, but it's okay. We'll get there it's together. Okay. It's a, yes, Melinda it's Walden, is, uh, she is a professor at uh, our local college. She teaches early childhood education to the beautiful hearts and minds of the folks in Manitoba, and mm. specifically in Winnipeg, Manitoba. The center of the continent. And uh, Melinda speaks uh, here, and, and she speaks in, in other parts of the country, and uh, all about uh, ideas around controversial play. And uh, her work lately has been revolved a lot around the ideas of consent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, given this Gillette ad we were just talking about, what is your take on the Gillette ad? Well, I really like how you said that Gillette is the best a man can get because I think that's really that the best a man can get. Like, uh, just that saying kind of scares me a little bit because it's like, oh, uh, you can get whatever you want and See, you're going to get it in any means. This is the best I can get. <laughs> <laughs> I can live with that. But like changing Can't it get to... Right guard. Yeah. <laughs> but changing it to a best a man can be, then that, that makes me feel a little bit better about not people trying to get something from you. Right. And I think as a woman, that's what we feel like a little bit is that sometimes, you know, it's what can I get? Yeah. And and whether um, in the commercial that person whistling at someone else, was it a reaction? What what was that that you were trying to get from that? What was your intention behind that? Because you were trying to get something. Right. right? Even, hear, even, <laughs> even hear that in, in you know, some some of those <laughs> older married dudes who kind of are in semi happy relationships. Why are you these. looking at me? I'm I'm looking just okay. at the older dude. Okay. In the room. Okay. Yeah. I'm not okay. <laughs> but that I once worked in construction. I worked yeah. with an old guy who was up, we'd end up being a cherry picker up above uh, Young Street under the Gardner Expressway, and he'd be whistling at all the women and catcalling all the wi- women. <laughs> and uh, I'd go to him, Tony. Like, why the fuck do you do that? And he goes, ah, oh, you know, I, I'm just making this, you know, trying to get the ladies all looking at me. And I said, does it ever fucking work? He goes, no. Yeah. I said, so like, do you actually think women? Go, oh, that was a great walk. <laughs> I had someone whistle at me and cat call me. I almost so went home with them. Good. <laughs> I almost went. He they had all the right in, words. He was up in this damn cherry picker. I just oh, couldn't get him down. That yeah. whistle tone was just right through me. Well, and then I was also thinking about when you were talking about um, false uh, accusations. Right. You know what? I've had someone say that I had done something with them when I didn't and then those kind of false accusations as a woman they make your reputation really bad and you don't know how to live through that and be like I didn't do that but I don't know how to prove that because no one can prove anything there's two sides to this story so women are also accused of many things and then become have names because of that like whatever those names and that reputation that can follow you too Mm -hmm. so Men are not the only ones no, who are absolutely. like doing that, right? And, so. and I think, and I think mm-hmm. to, and not, I. It's gonna sound like I'm trying to mansplain my way out of this. No, I'm, it's I'm really right. not meaning no. to. But See I how think you're a great person, Scott. Don't worry. Thank, don't you, worry. thank you, Melinda. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is the nicest thing anyone but my wife has ever said about me. Yeah. Um, I think, 
I think what men are starting to experience as by and large is that there there are more mm-hmm. now there are more people who are feeling empowered enough and comfortable enough mm-hmm. not necessarily comfortable enough shouldn't use that term but who are feeling empowered to speak up yes right mm-hmm. and so now men are starting to experience the things that women have experienced for yeah and can ever. i can i also say that a lot of these women didn't even know Right. That they they had these things happen to them. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna say I was one of them. Yeah. So I, I actually, Melinda, I, yeah. I don't know a woman mm-hmm. who right. hasn't had this. Ha- that's yeah. that that's that's the real nightmare and, of this. And all. this is the whole thing is we don't know what consent is. Women don't even know what consent means. Right. Because yeah, until all of a sudden an article comes up or something happens, like the um um Dr. Ford comes and like says yeah. something. Like those things open your mind and go, whoa, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that happened to me. And then people are waking up. So yeah. people are waking up and going, whoa, I didn't know that was wrong. I actually thought I consented, but I didn't consent. Yeah. And so people don't know what consent is. And so part of this research that I've been doing has been very therapeutic for me and really understanding oh, what is consent. Of course. And so I'm hoping that even though this is very uncomfortable for both of you. We're dying. Yeah, you're dying yeah. inside. Yeah. And I know that. But you know what? This is like this has given me a lot of um, power and also a lot of like freedom okay. from and, from the shame that I always held. And so, any amount of discomfort that I can feel right now mm-hmm. in order to help empower somebody who felt who didn't feel that power before i feel like that is mm-hmm. that's that's such a valuable thing and i think give. she actually yeah. melinda actually helped us right now yeah we were being yeah. selfish <laughs> well it's it's okay. okay because it's you know what it's these these things that we can do to help children right okay. and if we can help children understand yeah, what consent is let's do right? this okay so, so like it's us adults who have to figure out what this means so that we can actually give children those found that foundation so that when they grow up they know what consent means oh Okay. And I think let's get back to kids. So let's Beautiful. we don't have so to. So that's about what we're going to talk yeah. about is how do we teach consent to kids? Mm-hmm. Um, can I start with the first question about like what do you think a child needs to have as a foundation right. to to be a kid who understands consent turns into an adult that understands consent? Okay. Well, the first thing is essential touch. So children need that nurturing touch that us adults give them. They actually need to have the hugs, the kisses when they get hurt, someone to be there to help them. All of those really kind nurturing things is that foundation to know the difference between what is nurturing and loving compared to something that's not appropriate. So in order for children to do that, they actually need touch to survive. So infants and toddlers or infants, as soon as they're born, if they don't get that essential touch, they can have failure to thrive or they could possibly die. So give them that need for positive nurturing touch is kind of that foundation. And so once you have that, then it's, it's not easy, but then we can start talking about the touch that's not comfortable. Right, right, Mm -hmm. right. Um, anything else you need to have in place, like in order, you know, as a parent or as a child care person uh, trying to create a place where a kid learns consent? Like what else do you think they need? Okay. So touch is definitely a big one. Yeah. What else do you think? Well, they need? let's talk a little bit more about touch because there's a whole spectrum of what touch actually is. So there's touch that feels good and is healthy for you. So that's the nurturing. Like it could be petting a pet. It could be like exploring grass. It could be... Um, just play with somebody else. It could be um, Play-Doh. Play-Doh or hugs. Um, and actually, sex goes into that that foundation. Oh, if it's Jesus Christ, you went right for, into sorry, sex right sorry, now. Sorry, it does, but not, not for children. <sighs> hey, sorry, hey. but yes, for, for adults. But that is healthy yeah. and it feels good for adults. Okay, so we're going to say for adults. Okay. But it does fall under that. It's just not what we think about children, right? So, but that is healthy, right. and it's if it's done right with consent and everything like that, that would fall under healthy. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely, it, and it's good for you. Sorry, I had to go there, but that is on that spectrum. There are stages of everything. Okay, <laughs> on that same side, what about touch that doesn't feel good mm. but is good for you? So, if you go to a doctor and get a needle mm. that does not feel good but it's healthy for you, and so how do you talk to children about you know what this doesn't feel good? But it's healthy. Now that get, or that gets like confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's confusing for kids because now you're saying like touch should feel good, but this is something that feels bad, but that's good for you. Right. And should we not be teaching this to children so that they kind of start understanding that there's a difference between touch? 
Then there's really um, confusing touch. Confusing touch could be tickling because tickling feels really good, but gets it gets really uncomfortable really fast. Right. And so that's confusing or a hug that normally they really like, but it's too tight. Mm-hmm. So that's confusing because you're supposed to like hugs, but I don't like it that way. Yeah. So there's touch that's super confusing for kids and not knowing what if they like it or don't like it. And then there's touch that's unhealthy or it's not good for you. It's unhealthy, but it feels good. This is the touch that we're uncomfortable with. Obviously, no one should be comfortable with this, but that's the exploitive touch of like um, touching mm-hmm. someone in a, or with not cons- non-consensual touching, inappropriate because of age. That's the that's that's that kind of touch, yeah. right? But it feels good. So that's confusing for kids because it feels good, but it's not good for you based upon what's happening. Right, right. and I think yeah. and and to really, mm-hmm. I can just I can hear keyboards clicking. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we're saying this to clarify feeling good yeah like pl- right? there's it's pleasure a, there's a physiological yeah. you can't control feeling it. that you can't control you can't control it and it's that, like getting uh, a massage yeah and it right. moves yeah uh, you can't control yeah. it and then the, the whole other side of the spectrum it's unhealthy and yes. it doesn't feel good so that's like abusive touch and yeah. children pretty much know that they don't like it and it's not good but it's the in-between touches that children have the most trouble understanding. Okay, absolutely. It's those confusing touches. They, you understand the one side yes. of what feels good and yep. you understand what feels bad and it's not good for you. You can, you can understand that. Right. But when it gets in the middle, you can't really understand that. And you know what? Unfortunately, that's what we need to talk to children about because that's what's going to protect them from um, abusive or exploitive touch. Okay. 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 Um, it, we'll we'll try not to act like two silly schoolboys. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, how you. This is you joke because it's so uncomfortable we're and you're yeah. nervous. We're nervous. And you know what? That's what I do too. Okay. <laughs> Usually, right. when uh, I'm nervous yeah, and uncomfortable, I start men. joking yeah. about the things you're not supposed we're to. We're two men about. talking about. <laughs> and we're so. <laughs> and we're so I, silly I, at the I, best I, of times. I, I, you should I, watch. I. You should see how they're sitting right now. Okay. Both Mark and I have our legs crossed. So there's there's the uh, there's the understanding of touch. What role does sort of kids understanding the rights come in here as sort of a foundation for understanding this? Okay, so well, it's their right to know this, and I think that's the whole other piece we we've been talking about play that doesn't is very uncomfortable for us. Or but what about taboo subjects such as death or guns? Right? What about are we allowed to talk about sex with children? And we don't want to. And there's many reasons why we don't want to talk to them about it. We might be scared that they're going to do it if we talk about them. And you know what? That's a possibility. I'm not saying that it's not a possibility that yep. they would do it. But at least if you've talked about it, you put some rules as to what they can do or can't do. Um, at least you have a foundation to stop it if you had to almost. And we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. But you have to talk about it because if they're not hearing it from you in the tr- with the truth, they might find out from um, a peer or somebody right. else, but it's the wrong information. And it's Or they might get it from the internet, from porn that's right. not healthy for kids. And I think that's such an important, to me, that's the, that's the cornerstone for, for today's parents is mm-hmm. that children are, by going outside in an urban setting, mm-hmm. you are inundated with information about sex Mm -hmm. and when you go online you are inundated with information about sex it's pervasive in everything in our culture so why so by by making it a taboo subject by making it the forbidden Mm -hmm. fruit so to speak yeah are you helping your children or are you dam- or are you potentially damaging their understanding? Well, based, based on the research that I've been doing, it's actually it's causing children to be more sexual later on because mm-hmm. this is actually a biological thing. Like it's children don't when they play sex things or they not sex things, but naked stuff or they're being exploratory. They're actually there's no sex involved. Like it's not about that lust it's not it's not the same as us as adults they don't have that but as they get older and they start getting to the point where it's about to be that time they're they don't have any information or accurate information because we've been using it as a taboo subject for so long we don't want to talk to them about it they might get that class in um, at school but maybe they miss that day we don't know where they're getting in their information from if we're not talking about it and then it becomes this need to know 
right when they need to know it rather than have been raised in that way. Right. And I think that's that was something that Mark and I talked about in our pre-production meeting as well was, you know, when I was in high school mm-hmm. and we had sex ed classes, I mean, that was this was less than 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Consent was not a topic no. that was brought up. Mm-hmm. That's like within with within the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Consent is still a, is still a really new topic yeah. for even sex ed classes and these were yeah. these were you know functionally speaking mm-hmm. very well not very well rounded but about as well rounded as you could be without talking about consent right yeah. like they were they were anatomical they were mm-hmm. factual they were mm-hmm. you know they they presented everything in a very kind of uh serious but but comfortable as comfortable mm-hmm. as you can be in that kind of situation right yeah. like they were very open mm-hmm. i guess is what i'm trying to say so but even that you left out they left out a key one of the most important components yeah my yeah. parents would always say not till you love them right <laughs> and, and then you're like what is love, what is love? <laughs> exactly melinda i spent all of my life chasing that <laughs> Um, Uh, so okay so that you've you've identified a couple of uh barriers mm -hmm. that are getting in the way of this Uh, what about society yeah well society especially our culture where we don't want to talk about it and um so some of the work that francis carlson has done she actually says that the majority of um, sexual abuse and stuff that happens happens before the age of eight. Yet our what we when we start teaching children is usually grade one or two, which is after the fact. So that's not soon enough to prepare them or talk to them about it. So through this research, I've been realizing we should be starting at infancy, <laughs> right? Infancy. When you see it, you pick up a child and they start crying because they don't want you to hold them. You put them back down. You listen to their cues. And that shows them that they're respected. Um right. You know, like really listening and saying, hey. That, that makes more sense. In my head, I had it that I want to make sure that when you pick up your infant and they're crying, you tell them, boys, you know, men have penises and women have vaginas. <laughs> that's what I kind of thought you were, go- the direction you were going in, but I'm very glad but that's But you know what? It. When they become, I don't get yeah. the link between crying and private. Parts. I don't. I, we were talking about consent, and oh. we were talking but about, you know what? That is part of it. So then, as they become toddlers, and they start saying, "Hey, this is my nose," and point to their nose, mm-hmm. what they're gonna do next is when you are un- diapering them, they start playing with their penis or yeah. or their vulva, which is another part for the female. Well, you could just say, "Yeah, that's your vulva." Yes, that's your penis. Use anatom. <laughs> How do you say that? Anatomical. Anatomically. Ple- correct terms for um for all body parts but make it normal right don't call it cute names just call it what it is and just make it a normal part of their body because what children end up doing well they still are probably going to do that three and four is they start joking about those body parts right and that makes them uncomfortable right when you start joking about it and then people find that those parts are funny then it becomes weird about those body parts. Right. So just name them what they are. So then you can do that at as, as a toddler. When they start naming other body parts, just make that a part of it. I watched once, it reminds me of a story. I watched once uh, this um, EC doing a, uh, a circle with kids, and it was put your finger on your nose, on your nose. But then she goes, okay, where else can we put our fingers? And this one cheeky boy goes, our penises. And everyone starts laughing. She goes, well... Does everybody at Circle have a penis? Nice. And that just killed it. <laughs> just killed it. But it put it into a, just a matter yeah. of fact. Yeah. That's you're being exclusionary because right. only a certain group can do that one. Right. Or how can you make that <laughs> something that's okay? Right? It was an idea instead of making it a yeah. bad idea. No. How do you yeah. make it into a positive yeah. idea? And you know what? Maybe pointing that out might have sparked a whole bunch of curiosity and about other body parts and of other people. Circle goes other, in a whole new direction. Yeah, it can or totally just, go different. It just went matter of fact. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. right. Not everybody has yeah. a penis here, but we all got noses, noses and eyes. Yeah, so yeah, and that's okay to go that way too. I totally find that's perfect. fine. Exactly. Yeah. Just but, matter of fact. Or you could do it in a different way if you choose to like use it as a learning experience about differences and you could totally go that way and just don't be scared to do that and i think that's what we're well maybe in a childcare setting you're still scared of that because that could go into weird places that's such a thing in childcare settings you know 
we i think i can make a blanket statement here and say we are almost all of us very uncomfortable with these situations and not so much because of the kids yeah right i don't think i don't think there are too many there are as many uh early childhood educators who are uncomfortable about this situation because of the kids and how the kids are going to talk about it um my experience with this is how do we talk to the parents about this yeah i think that's gonna be the big thing i don't know i don't necessarily know like i think where we're gonna start is talking about that accurate information so when it comes to sex it's you should be explaining it properly and not all parents are going to be on board with that but i think that's what we need to do that's part of protection is knowing what it is because if it happens to them knowing what it is and what's right or wrong which i can get into later when we talk about different types of play and rules to play um how do we protect them and the only way to protect them is have the basic knowledge and truth and that foundation Um, So the way I like to talk about things that are a little bit scary, not just for kids, but for adults, is that, first of all, you have to have the basic knowledge and truth behind the taboo subject. So if it is um, sex or what it is, you need to have the basic knowledge and truth so that you start there. Then you need to understand there's strategies that you can handle those situations. So um, for gunplay, we talked about that last time, right? So what are some stra- how can we handle this if this happens to us? But that's the same with sex, right? So if you're in an uncomfortable situation and you're not sure what consent is and you're not sure if this person's going to respect you, what are some strategies to get away? How can you say no? And in those moments, it might be really hard to do that. So <laughs> what do you think are the social constraints to this? Like in our society, North America. Okay, so... Um, Some of the research I did is actually based on Bonnie J. Ruff's book. It's called Beyond Birds and Bees. And there's another few parts and I keep forgetting what they're called. But she does some really good work um, comparing North American society. It's actually from the States um, to the Netherlands. And so which is funny. Yeah. Netherlands. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I get it. Uh, yeah. Sorry, going to be a schoolboy here. Yeah, there you go. Because that's another word for penis. Yeah, I know, Netherlands. <laughs> Netherlands. Yes, but what she one thing that I say is here in splash pads and um, wading pools, children need to be covered up. But there in the Netherlands, they go naked. So what's the difference between our society and that? And what are the messages we're giving children by saying you have to cover your body? And this really gets into body image, right? So if you make it normal that you, your body's normal, it's okay to be naked. It's okay to go and stare at other people and other genders um, so that you understand what others have, right? It's just that curiosity and knowing that bodies are bodies. They're not sexual. They're bodies. They're part of our world. So let's take away the sexuality because by covering them, we're actually making them more sexual. They're they're forbidden. And when they start realizing why they're covering their bodies, why do adults make us cover our bodies? It's all because we don't want them to have sex, not because we don't want them to show their bodies. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting you say that because in my family history as a kid, I was always around nudity. My mm-hmm. parents were naked all the time. They were hippies, right? They were yeah. so it was never a, a big to do. We used to have a, a Labor Day celebration where as soon as the sun went down, we'd go through the sprinkler naked as a family. Yeah. Right? And so I from a very early age learned that there is no mysticism. Yeah. That's interesting that you bring that up. That's making me think about a lot of things. Yeah, and then it also tells us that we should be ashamed of our bodies. Yeah. So that's you can start seeing where maybe body image is yeah. stemming into our into our society as well. And to that point, it can be so pervasive. I've I have I haven't worked in a in a program like this, but I have I have run into other programs uh, out in the world that have had policies. Mm-hmm. written in policies in their in their childcare centers where preschool age little girls can't wear two piece bathing suits right mm-hmm. what? and is yeah. that not just the stupidest fucking thing yeah. and it's you've ridiculous ever heard of in your well, life well um a friend of mine her she went to the waiting pool and she only had bottoms on her daughter she was 3 and another parent went up to her and said hey can you cover your your daughter 
And she's like, why? They have the same. They're the same <laughs> the at same this thing. age. It's the same. How do you even like, tell how, the difference how do you, between a yeah, girl and a boy like, at that Exactly. Age. And like, that's, that's already that's like weird. at three years starting to shame yeah. someone's body. So by her, I don't know if she covered her up or not. I don't know what she did. But like. I would say fuck off, Yeah, pervert. like uh, she would probably say that because she's a pretty strong, <laughs> strong woman. But um, like, yeah, what kind of message if she did cover her child for that? I just these children don't need that from us. Okay, that, I don't know. Okay, so and then wait, oh, sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm just gonna continue that. Yeah. But if like looking at bodies, like so, if you make it normal of children going into any kind of change room, mm. so that um, boys can see go into the women's change room and see bodies of all kinds, old, young, tall, small. Mm-hmm. I don't know what other ones there are, but you know, um, all ages then it makes body types normal yeah, all right. bodies normal and same vice versa right yeah. going into different change rooms boys going into or girls going into men's change rooms just showing that you know what the tv um the tv, TV people body are, types are not actually okay, normal. but i'm now i'm re- now i'm more confused than when i started this okay. episode how do you learn consent through that right like how, how do you learn consent by you know, having your kid expose this and understand. I don't I don't get that link. Okay, well, okay. So you actually really have to understand your own body. You have to feel comfortable in your body okay. to be able to say no to something and understand, like, right? You have to have that body ownership and body awareness. So I, I know that it seems like a far stretch, but us telling them to cover up mm-hmm. is, it, it's, I think that is the big piece that we're missing in our society right now as to, like, we're feeling shamed so that when these things happen, we don't talk about it. Mm. Right. So it's, I think it's, it's coming back to like just the way that we're handling it in our society of covering up our children all the time, covering our own bodies. Or when someone does dress a little more provocatively, you call them a slut. Right. So if you call them a slut, that person probably feels all right about their body, but now you're trying to make them not feel good about their body. And that gets into like, why would you say that? And is like, right. So that's not, it's going against what consent's all about. It's about giving, giving permission and accepting permission. Almost takes away from Or asking and asking about it. Right. So that's the, the, so you ask for permission (laughs) and then giving permission is the, the definition of consent. But there's so many gray areas that people actually don't understand. And this is it's not as easy as that, because what if you say yes, but then you change your mind? Right. There's mm-hmm. so many gray mm-hmm. areas that happen. But unless you feel confident about yourself, you might not say anything or you might not speak up because you're feel- already feeling down on yourself. So right. that confidence and that body image is a big piece of that. OK, okay. thank you, Melinda. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Were you getting confused, too? I, like, you know what? It, it's, a, it's, that a good, it's a good connection, right? Yeah, to it make. makes sense. Mm-hmm. We're, it makes we're, sense to me. I got I got wrapped up in the in in the the, the tapestry of of. Mm-hmm. empowerment that we were weaving there but yeah. that's a good point to bring it back to how do we how do we connect this to to consent and and i think what um what i i'm curious about is you know how do we how do we approach our families mm-hmm. or our or our loved ones mm-hmm. uh our partners even mm-hmm. about this about this idea because this is such a trigger for some people it totally is yeah so i think like even just that so part of just knowing that if we lived in a different society where that was a little bit more normal that shame you feel about your body would kind of go away so it would go away because you wouldn't have that if we lived in a different society that's a little bit freeing Right. If you think mm-hmm. about if I lived in a different society, it's because of my society that I feel this way. You kind of feel a little bit free about, you know, the, those that shame about your body in mm-hmm. itself. And you start realizing, actually, this this there's been a blind over my eyes yeah. this whole time. But then also knowing that consent is more than more than this. And I'm, so, OK, so when we talked about how, yeah, consent's giving permission but what if something happens? So we get body, we have, I'm going to, let's talk about body functions, right? So our bodies do things without control. So we talked about pleasure already, right? So that uncomfortable feeling, like something that feels good, but's unhealthy for you. That's really hard to talk to children about, but that's something we can't control. That, that pleasure yeah. we can't control. Knowing that is probably very good for people that it's you can't control that so yeah. it would be way better to know that you can't control that before something happened to you so then after it's a little bit easier to deal with 
it, it at least yeah it, mm-hmm. it, it gives you that mm-hmm. um that you have a, you have a tool to use yeah now. you have knowledge you have knowledge about yeah. body functions but because we hide the body we also don't really get into body functions because we're ashamed of those body parts so, so again how the hell does that link okay so to learning but consent? okay so another part of body functions is your fight fight and freeze okay okay that's something you can't necessarily control unless you have practice so in a lot of scenarios even as a kid i would freeze so i was not able to say stop or no okay or move okay so if you think of that mm-hmm. now knowing that that's a body function i feel freed of the guilt because i thought i did something wrong okay right i she's I, smart I, scott she's very right smart. so no. like knowing that i couldn't control that or i didn't have the skills in that at that time to deal with that with that body function right makes you actually a little bit free that hey like i couldn't do anything right okay. Okay. but because i didn't say no or stop made me feel guilty for a really long time going i did consent because i didn't say stop <laughs> right. i didn't say no right but my body actually wouldn't let me do that right so that's interesting jesus so, oh can okay. i ask mm-hmm. okay let's keep going on this yeah. thread what are some of the other opportunities then that we can as parents or, or caregivers help kids with this whole notion you talked about you know body yeah functions. so body functions Teaching them how to say no. So we talked about rough and tumble play in one Mm -hmm. of our last episodes, uh, risky play. Well, rough and tumble play is a really good way to practice saying no to someone when you don't feel comfortable and understanding that uncomfortable feeling. So, yeah, let your children do like I think the play where children are touching each other and then crossing boundaries and saying no is a big piece to learning that uncomfortable feeling when someone's going too far, but also saying stop or no and practicing to do that in the moment when you're in kind of a fearful or frightening situation. That's a great right, point right. because risky play is really the only place you ever say no to a friend. Yeah. Like think about your history uh, when you'd climb a tree and their buddy wants you to go up even higher and you go, no. Yeah. Like you're actually stopping the peer right. pressure. So that yeah. that's an excellent point. Yeah. So then, Any other opportunities? Um, how about like tickle play, right? So um, I play this with my kids where they say, can you tickle me? And I'll say, okay, we're going to play the stop go game when we play tickle. So they'll say go and I'll tickle them. And then when they say stop, I stop right away. Uh, that's okay. teaching consent. And then they'll be All like, right. they'll take a second. They'll be like, okay, go. And it's teaching them also that they can change their mind. That just right. because I started this doesn't mean there's an, that's that beautiful. you have to keep going. Right. That's, so, and that's such a that's such a safe way to practice this survival technique. Yeah. Right. In such a positive way. Yeah. And they enjoy it, but they also feel empowered that we listen to them too. Right. Mm-hmm. Of course. Any yeah. other opportunities? So you've said the uh, the body image, the body functions, the uh, uh, mm-hmm. the learning to say no. Yeah. Right. Uh, especially in play. Anything else? Yeah. You think? Um, so I also think that accountability piece when they've gone too far is a big piece oh, of this yeah. puzzle. Because we talked about people. We talked about the guy from Australia. You talked about them. Isaac Butterfield. Uh, there we go. You know what? Guy. If there is some underlying guilt of something of going too far. You know what? We've all done it. We've yeah. all crossed a boundary mm-hmm. at some point, and mm-hmm. based on our culture and stuff like that, that's probably it was very normal for most of the the people I hung out with too yeah. to go that far. But you know what? I would prefer someone who is accountable for their actions and said, you know what? I did do this, and like I've learned from it. Right. I want people to learn from that. But if you constantly say I didn't do this, right? Mm-hmm. And no, I wasn't. I didn't do that. I know those people don't want to learn. They're right. not. They don't want to learn about consent. So you know what? Like, you know what? It's okay to make a mistake and cross a boundary. But how do you come forward and say, you know what? I did this. I feel horrible about this because now I know what consent is. Because even me, I didn't know what consent was. Hashtag I apologize. Yeah, we should start that. Hashtag hashtag I apologize. I apologize. And I love how that can tie into the other things we talked about earlier about, you know, when kids are having rough and tumble play or when kids are Mm -hmm. engaging in in risky play when they're looking for an opportunity to say no this this gives them that that voice and that that safe space and then when they cross the line they have that reassurance and and we as caregivers and parents can be Mm -hmm. there to say 
it's okay that you made a mistake. Yeah, exactly. And now we learn from it. We have to admit to, that we made and mistakes. And I think I tell you, like, when um, my kids are playing in the other room and I hear my youngest crying and I say, hey, what happened in there? And my oldest son says, oh, I punched him. I say, <laughs> <laughs> and I go, thank you for telling me the truth. That's the first That's thing. The first thing you have to I say, I say, thank you for telling me the truth because I want that accountability. Yeah. But now we can actually solve the problem because you're not telling me <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, a yeah. lie. Yeah. There's, there's more to this, this story actually happened. <laughs> this happened this morning to me, so I was like, <laughs> and I always go, thank you for telling me the truth. Okay, let's, uh, what's a different way we can yeah. do this? <laughs> Which then gets them learning the difference between aggression and other ways yes. to solve your problems. Sure. Yes. Yes, which is also part of consent of like, if, if you're trying to get something, <laughs> what are the best ways to get it, right? right? And maybe you need to have a foundation of relationship first <laughs> for an adult, teamwork right? Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> this is, if you really want somebody, there's a whole lot of groundwork you would have to do if you really love that person so all right okay sorry that was i think we did all right you know what it i was so goddamn nervous about this i yeah i'm i'm gonna melinda mm-hmm. how do we do with this you did <laughs> you very think? great okay all right now do we have an advice thing that's something uh like connected to this whole idea around consent and thank you melinda for being so brave because you're bringing up some stuff what do you want to talk about one more thing you what do you um, want to talk about yeah. I was, okay i was time. thinking about the really uncomfortable place. oh jesus i know Christ. you've been trying to avoid this but i feel I'm going like for a fucking smoke okay I feel like this is a, an sit, important You sit down, Mark piece. Battle. You guys are trying to avoid this, but you know what? It's. I think this is very helpful. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. It's our show, by what, the way, Melinda. I know. You can cut me off if you want. Okay. No. No. What, we got to hear this. So okay. what happens when children play, like, do naked play or doctor play or okay. have pretend sex play with other kids? This is something that all parents, or not all parents, but most parents probably have to deal with between the ages of three and five. Okay. Because this is when they're exploring their bodies. They're looking, trying to figure out the differences. They probably stare at you more when you're getting dressed. And that's when they say, hey, show me yours. I'll show you mine. So I think, what do we do in those scenarios? So that's in right. this book um, by, um, so Beyond Birds and Bees. And that's not a drum in the background. That's, that's Melinda, Melinda nervous come. smacking the couch. <laughs> yeah, it totally Just getting is. it out. Just getting it um, out. <laughs> so she actually through her research has really helped me to really understand what to do in this situation. So she said, like in our society, we're told if we catch children playing that kind of play, we stop it. We tell them that they have to have their clothes on. They need to cover their bodies. But again, when we do that, we're kind of shaming that child. And one of the things she says in her book is she said, it's not the sex play that traumatizes kids it's when they get caught it's how we approach it our reactions to it that's what traumatizes kids and this did happen to me as a kid so i understand being caught in that type of play and then having that shame care like be carried with you like the kid that i played with that we didn't play after that point her mom was not going to let me play with her after that point and what they don't realize is that it was actually very harmless play I remember it. I You yeah. remember that because it's like in your brain at that point. It was very harmless play, but you don't know that as an adult. You automatically think like an adult. So that's what we're told in our society is to cover up. This is how you handle it. Try not to embarrass them or shame them. But by saying you have to cover your body, you're actually doing that. Yeah. Well, in the Netherlands, this is what they do. They put rules to their play that really help with consent. They say, only do it if you want to play. Um, the other person has to consent to it. They say there should be no pain. And then the fourth one is nothing goes in any body openings. So not your ears, not your nose, not your mouth, not your um, vagina, and not your, your anus. So if you put those rules to the play, then they have something to guide them. But then there's additional rules that help with protection. Now, you want to play this, you can play this with someone your own age. If an adult wants to play with you, you say no, because that's wrong. If an older child wants to play with you, you say no, because that's wrong. If a younger child wants to, or you want to play this with a younger child, that's wrong because they can't consent to it. And if you're not sure about a child's age, because you don't know if they're too old or too young, just ask me. You know what that does? It tells them that you're saying yes to the play and that there's something to make them feel safe because there's rules to the play to keep them safe. And then when they do want to play it, they're going to talk to you about it. 
And so that later on will help them be able to disclose anything that happens if it if they are abused okay. or anything like that That's because now you have this open discussion with the ch- with children. Yeah. I think this is uh, that was that, that was a very beautiful that, that was a very beautiful moment we just had, um, and I want to thank everybody who who held it together and listened to that. I don't see how you could stop listening to that because that was that was very uh, empowering. Um, and as a parent, said. it'd be really hard to say yes to that and really hard to do that. But one of the things, too, is with those rules, just say they do try to cross a boundary and put something in one of their openings. You've already laid that foundation of rules that you can actually go in there and not say what they're doing mm-hmm. is wrong. So they're not shamed about what they're doing. They're, you're telling them that they went against a rule. Yeah. So yeah. now you have an opportunity to stop it because of a rule, not because of what they're doing. Yeah. And it takes away that shame. Also, it stops kids from sticking stuff up their nose. It's true. I had to go to the hospital for that. My mom should have read that damn book. Oh, man. I had a child to put a popcorn corn up their nose, and we were oh, like, man. how are we going to get that out? That would be a great book. I had, I had All the a kid. things kids put up their yeah. nose. Oh, that'd be, that'd be, that would be an Instagram channel for sure. Yeah. I had a kid with a pea gravel stuck in his ear. Yeah. And just just in deep enough that you couldn't just pound it out the other side of his head. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you, Melinda. That you you handled yourself with eloquence with these two stupid schoolboys giggling and <laughs> over here. Thank you. You're so mature. Um, do we have a, a little advice thing here, Scott? Yeah. So I have. Um, this is a little bit of a. Um, I don't know if it's it, it's not a stretch because I think it it does tie into the consent okay. kind of stuff that we were talking about. Um, but this is um, a question about um, kind of talking about how your um, your children can express how they feel to you. Mm. So in some ways, it it does you're validating what they're saying, mm-hmm. right? So, but it is in no way related to the. Okay. To, to the sex stuff. Okay. Um, need advice. My my wife said my six year old son mm. has a man cold. Okay. Mm. He overheard that and asked what it was. Right. My son didn't understand what it means, and asked me that if it means boys should be more scared of getting colds than girls, mm. I simply brush it off and explain to him that it's a generalization that isn't fair. It didn't use those words exactly since he's six uh, and not to worry about it. And he wants to know this. This parent wants to know. It's a very long question. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this parent wants to know if he's overthinking this or if this is something that he's, he is essentially upset at the idea that a six year old would have a man cold. This is a great question because yeah, totally. it kind of ties to how we started this thing, yeah. right? And now it's sort of a, a weird... Um, Reversal. <laughs> well, <laughs> kind of. Well, a misandrist, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, a misandrist uh, thing around around colds and how men suffer. Yes. Or they, they're, they're more like a baby when they have a cold than, than women. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? Oh, I feel uh, like moment? I'm really biased because I totally think men have man colds. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you listened to anything you talked about today? I totally do. But I totally don't think every man has. I Just the ones that I've <laughs> Just, just every one that I've ever Shit, met. Not the answer I was thinking, right? I, I but after this, this actually, this I feel I actually feel after that comment though that maybe we're feeding into this man cold thing. Maybe men are just going like, we should have man colds. Why are we like not playing up to this? Because they already say that we have them. I don't. Well, know. Right, we don't get periods. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. gotta have something. We can we gotta have about. something. Which I wish I had a period. It would keep me so organized. It's like an internal calendar. You guys are so lucky. Oh, I'm bloated. Rent is due. <laughs> you know, you know what, you know what I'm talking about, Scott. You know what I'm talking about. I don't think so anybody knows actually, what you're talking about. So you actually say we, <laughs> we're, we should. We, been that with, is the road less traveled, my friend. <laughs> so, uh, so you're saying the advice is, yeah, men should have their men colds and. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think everybody's probably okay, so, different. So, but okay, so this, okay, this let's get back to the. The question is, is the question is this this question askers partner 
is saying that the six-year-old boy is having a man cold. Yeah, I don't think kids can have a man cold. He's not a man. No. No. It's, it's a boy cold. Yeah, like... Asked and answered. I, I think almost all kids will probably be very similar when they have a cold. or <laughs> so. They're either very dramatic or, or you they don't just even know. are based on their temperament, really, because yeah. actually one of my kids is actually very good at having a cold and the other one maybe not so much <laughs> okay <laughs> so yeah like <laughs> boy have we ever dealt with it all today we, we really <laughs> holy shit all right melinda yeah. geez thank you again for coming down to our our little rec room studio here <laughs> thank you this was uh we had some fabulous conversations uh over the last uh you know couple weeks couple days yeah. about um about play and about the importance of of pushing your comfort zone about the idea of of not getting hung up in our adult prejudices and our adult biases when you're dealing with children and trying to remove our own our own thing from it and let kids be kids yeah let's not put them in a cage right with our attitudes and stuff yeah absolutely well thank you melinda thank you scott it's always a pleasure Hey, Ken Schendel. Thank you, Ken Schendel. Oh, Ken Schendel, thank you for the coffee. Thank you for the basement. Thank you for the basement. Thank you for the uh, the sound production. Oh, the beautiful sound. Don't we sound And great? the massages afterwards. I'm really looking forward to that. I and can't seeing wait. how much it moves. I Oh, yeah, good segue again. All Bring right, everybody. Back. Full circle, everybody. Everybody, this ain't babysitting. Thank you very much. And have a great night. <laughs>